Welcome to Living a Nutritious Life. I'm your host, Carrie Glassman. And in today's episode, we're talking supplements and brain health with the ever insightful Danielle Citrolo. Together, we'll explore the fundamental pillars of brain health, including the critical role of sleep in preventing neurodegenerative diseases, the connection between stress levels and cognition, and how even minimal physical activity can enhance your mental well being. Danielle Citrolo is VP of Scientific and Regulatory Affairs at Kia Oaxaca, USA, Inc. The parent company to our sponsor of the podcast, Cognizin. Danielle is a registered pharmacist and provides scientific and regulatory support to Kiowa's customers in the U.S., Canada, and Latin America. She holds degrees in biochemistry and chemistry from North Carolina State University and is a doctor of pharmacy from Albany College of Pharmacy, New York. I've known Danielle for many years and worked with her many times, and I always learn from her. In today's episode, she delves into the growing world of brain health supplements, especially the rising interest among younger generations. With an overwhelming array of choices, Danielle helps us navigate this complex market and the importance of choosing high-quality, well-researched supplements. Danielle provides valuable insights, as always, into the manufacturing and auditing processes, which I think can confuse many people, and she clears it all up. Don't forget to check out our show notes for more info on Danielle's work And of course, when you're done listening, if you love this episode and you love the podcast, please rate, review, and share. Let's do this. Hello, hello, Danielle. I am so excited to have you on the podcast this week. I always love chatting with you. We've had the pleasure of working together multiple times and every single conversation we've had, I think I've told you this already, I just learned so much. I love hearing your science brain go to work (laughs) and I love learning from you. So I'm really excited uh, to have you on the podcast today and for you to share some of your great insights and all of your knowledge with our listeners. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm very excited too. And uh, I learn a lot from you too. (laughs) (laughs) Yay. All right. So today we're going to be diving a lot into supplements. Uh, This is your, I mean, this is your wheelhouse. This is your thing. You have such an interesting background coming from pharma um, and now being in this world of supplements. You have so much knowledge. We're going to specifically talk about supplements, but also specifically about brain health supplements and that growing industry. So let's just, let's do a little bit of a background first on brain health. And I've talked a lot about brain health. For everyone that listens to my podcast, they know I love brain health. I've taught, we've talked about it a lot already on the podcast and I talk about brain health in, on nutritiouslife.com. Um, I talk about it in my course. I talk about it on social. I'm fascinated with brain health, and this is something I know you know a whole lot about. So before we dive into supplements, let's talk a little bit about brain health, and then and then we'll get into brain health supplements. So aside from supplements, because we're going to get there, what is your take as someone that knows a lot about brain health on what we can do to improve our brain health and or prevent decline of brain health? There is a certain amount of brain health that it comes along with aging, but- what can we do on a daily basis to improve our 
brain health? That's a great question. I just want to say I am not an expert by any means. Of course, I know a lot based on the research. Um, But to answer your question, I think my top personal one exercise is probably your biggest bang for your buck potentially for brain health in the long run. And the most important thing that we need to start realizing as a society is that it starts early. So you really need to um, start thinking about your brain health in your late 20s, early 30s. And once we have symptoms of any type of pathophysiology in the brain, it's pretty much too late. Usually more than 50% of the neurons are gone. So it's all about prevention when it comes to brain health. They have not cracked the code with drugs. They don't know how to fix any of these pathophysiologies, as you know. So it's really, really important that actually I think of all the diseases, I mean, we know other diseases too, like nutritious life is truly at the core of preventing brain health um, pathophysiology. So I would say though, biggest bang for your buck is definitely like exercise, which is that Mm anti-inflammatory course. I mean, really diet, right? That microbiome, the diet Mm -hmm. is really going to impact brain health the most. And then you know, I mean, pretty much every pillar you talk about, I think. Right. But uh, I would say sleep is another one. Um, so I would say exercise, diet, sleep, um, you know, and the chemicals and things like that. But of course, those come, I feel like priority wise, you have to worry, you know. You, you, think- you have to, I guess, focus on things that you can control too. Yeah. And, exactly. and of course, we can control, like you just mentioned, chemicals and, and and toxins, and we can control a certain amount of toxins that we ingest. And but there are only there is only so much we can do there. I mean, you're, yeah. you go outside, you're living and breathing in the environment you're living and breathing in, right? There's only so much you can do there. And again, there are things you can do, but there's mm-hmm. only so much. But when it comes to other things, like you were mentioning, exercise and diet, sleep, managing your stress they're empowering pillars to look at because there are many things you can do. And I think on that note, I mean, you started with exercise. I think one thing that I always love to remind people of, because I think it's really motivating and empowering for people that trading in as little as seven to nine minutes of sedentary behavior for moderate or vigorous physical activity can significantly improve cognition and mood. And I just always find that really fascinating because we all can find seven to nine minutes, right? And 50 per, there is a there's 50% less dementia seen in people who exercise four times a week. So if you're someone that is not exercising at all, add in seven to nine minutes a day, you can do that. And if you're someone that exercises maybe a couple times a week and does a real full workout a couple times a week, go to four times a week, right? I mean, those are, to me, they're very, they're tangible, they're doable, and they're actionable steps that people can take. And like you said, that is hugely um, significant in terms of preventing neuronal degeneration and keeping your brain health intact. And I think it's really cool when you think about it. And I I remember I'd read a a whole study on this that, that reflected on how our brains developed in motion. And so you want to stay in motion. Right? Have you read? Do you know what I'm talking about? Like I said, how I heard this actually already from the neuro navigators. Oh, actually. right, from our yeah. right, right, from yeah. our, from from that keynote that I did. Right, and I found it really fascinating when you think about it. When we were hunters and gatherers, but people were were their brains were developing right as and and learning and creating memory as they were in motion, as we're in motion. So it's kind of like 
it just kind of makes sense to me, right? That we have to kind of, we have to stay in motion. We have to use our bodies. And I also say like, what's good for, you know, what's good for the body is good for the brain. And what's good for the brain is good, is good for the body, but we yep. have to focus on both. Right. And, yep. and then you also, you know, you mentioned some of the other pillars, sleep and stress, and just a couple other things for people to think about too. When we sleep, we know we need to sleep to, you know, when we don't sleep well, we don't think as well the next day. We're tired. We're a little fuzzy, but there's something going on there. It's not just, oh, I didn't sleep well. Like people don't always connect the dots of what's really going on. Why do you really not feel great the next day? One of the things that happens when we sleep is we're removing waste. Our glymphatic system helps to prevent the buildup of harmful proteins, uh, such as the beta amyloid, and it's doing its job at night. And that is link, that removal of that waste is linked to neurodegenerative diseases like Alzheimer's. So again, sleep is something we can really focus on and is so incredibly important. And then one other thing as far as stress, and then we're going to move on to supplements. But I want to, as long as you brought up these pillars, you know, I got to, I got to, I got to chime in here because I love talking about the pillars and how when we focus on these different pillars in very actionable, tangible ways, we can not only improve our overall health, but specifically we can improve and prevent um, brain uh, deterioration, right? So um, stress though, people with elevated stress levels have a 37% more likely chance to have poor cognition. So people often think of stress with heart health. They often think of stress, you know, with, with, I don't know what else they think of stress as maybe just being cranky, (laughs) but, but people, but it really, it connects to your cognition. So really, and, and it may, again, that also makes them think about it when you're really stressed you're not able to think clearly and be focused and it has long lasting effects too. So anyway, just a couple of things I wanted to chime in there as you brought as you as you brought up those pillars. Yeah. I would add too that I think all these factors are can be different from person to person and so one other thing you could do for yourself is you know, do some genetic testing and screening, right? Are And it depends, this could be controversial. Do you want to know or do you not want to know? But if you do know, hey, I do have the APO4 allele, which is one gene that kind of predisposes you to um, higher risk, you know, then you really kind of know what you're dealing with because those types of things you said can impact people differently, like cortisol, mm-hmm. it increases inflammation, right? If you're predisposed to heart disease with higher cortisol, guess what's going to happen, right? right? If you're predisposed to, you know, having, uh, you know, you, you know, maybe it's in the family with the, the Alzheimer's, if you have an elevated cortisol, guess what ends up happening? So the genes play a role in, you know, in the lifestyle too. So if that's something you really want to be proactive, it's, it's good to know that as well. Yeah. It, it's such a good point. Uh, and I actually often recommend people use the three X four, uh, test. I don't know if you've ever tried that, but that's a, a test that I'm a big fan of. And, uh, you can find out a lot of like incredible information there. Um, really, really interesting nutrigenomics company. I love, love them, love their testing. So I'm so glad you brought that up. So, Turning to brain health supplements a little bit, the global brain health supplement market has consistently increased and is expected to grow at a compounded annual growth rate of, and I hope I'm getting this right, you can correct me if I'm wrong, 13.3% from 2023 to 2030. Is that correct? Is that the right number? I mean, I see a lot of numbers. I see year on year. It sounds about right. I mean, we're consistently growing above average. I would say, I think year on year, it's about, it can be up 7 and 8% growth. Okay. We had a big spike after COVID as well. Was a bit, there was a lot of awareness during COVID, I think, around brain health, maybe from some of the effects of that. 
Um, but yeah, that's what I've seen. And so it sounds about right to 2030. Right. And a lot of this, I mean, this has to do because people are interested in brain health. People are, I mean, people are interested. And and I think that I have a, a, I know that there was a stat on this too. I think it's eight in 10 people show a great interest in their brain health, which makes sense because brain health impacts, I mean, throughout the lifespan, right? Everybody's interested in brain health at different stages of life for different reasons. I mean, you have some people that are, you know, young 20 somethings that might be interested in brain health because they're maybe they're a gamer, right? So, but, and you have people, you know, elderly people that want to be able to stay sharp and focused and have conversations with grandchildren. So there's many different reasons for interest, but I think it's something that people across the lifespan are interested in again, maybe for different reasons, but people want to keep their brains healthy, but they don't necessarily know where to start. But to me that that seems, that seems like one of the reasons that maybe those numbers are going up. Um, And then I also think like, people are multitasking so much. Do you think that has anything to do with it, that people are multitasking so maybe they're not as focused and they want to try to improve that focus? Or I don't know, what do you, what do you think about that? Well, what we do know actually is it's the younger generation, it's the 18 to 34 that are our true customers for this category. Wow. So yeah, that's the group that they're changing it. They're increasing it. And that's why there's expected growth. They're becoming more, which is great because they're there. That's the critical age to understand the importance of brain health. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, well, I was just a- going to say, I like that there's an interest from a, from young people in this. Yes. And it's not just when it's when you start to see a decline. It's like there is this interest from a young age. I, I actually love hearing that. And they embrace, you know, they're, they're an age group that's more embracing of supplements as well. So if you think about, you know, um, maybe the boomers and stuff, it's mm-hmm. a little less receptive, right, um, in terms of supplements. So this is a growing category. It's not going anywhere. The younger generation have a lot of interest in both brain health and, and of course, supplements as well. Yeah. Super, super fascinating there. Um, but again, I just, yeah, I love, I love that that generation is receptive to supplementation because especially, you know, just in terms of when we think of supplementation, I so often talk about it in terms of it's not just not getting something. It's not just not getting sick. It's not just not having this condition. It's living optimally and feeling your best and best and maximizing your health. And I do think that younger people are more, I think they're, they're more interested in that and open to that than I think younger people were before, you know, years ago. I think years ago, it was more like, oh, when I get older, I'll worry about getting a disease. And I think now people, younger people are a little more interested on and maybe it even comes from you know the biohacking space, but there is this interest in being laser focused and being super energetic and feeling incredible. So, yeah. and the science has evolved a lot since when you know I was even younger or you were younger, right? So that mainstream science, I think, is also more available. Mm-hmm. Um, age group, they're more interested. And I think that it's kind of changing the culture and the acceptance and the understanding of, you know, different diseases. So like you said, I feel like when we were younger, it was kind of like, if it's not broke, don't fix it. And yes, then you just exactly. when there's a problem. And I think truly, you know, science and nutrition, although we're not there yet, we're on the path, but I think there's more acceptance of, you know, being proactive in your health and, um, even just, you know, so I think it's changing and I think the science is pushing it and it, it's becoming maybe more and more mainstream and I hope it only continues. Yeah. Um, I can imagine it not, but, um, yeah. So. Yeah. That's great. So you're in scientific and regulatory, regulatory affairs at Kiowa Hako USA. So you get into the nitty gritty science here. So 
I want you to explain to everyone how do you choose? How does someone out there choose the right supplement for them? Because I think that's one of the biggest questions that I get is there's so many supplements out there though. I'm not, it's not that I'm not open-minded to them, but I don't even know where to begin. How do I even know what, what type of supplement to take? And then when I find, and then when I can even narrow it down to what type, there's so many of them out there. How do I choose the right one? And then I think many people become overwhelmed and then they just say, oh, I'll worry about it next year when I go to the doctor again, or I'll worry about, I'll talk to my nutrition coach the next time I go in and I'll figure it out. But many people kind of shove it to the wayside because they're overwhelmed. It, I mean, I'm even overwhelmed sometimes and I'm in the industry. So there's no way to not be overwhelmed. And there's always new ingredients as well, which I find in the industry to be uh, challenging too, because I'm constantly researching other ingredients to see where the science is. Um, and I think that's, that's good. It's good to be innovative, but we have to have our guard up too to make sure they're safe and effective, of course. So what do I choose? I mean, what do I choose? I'm always looking at the basics, of course, kind of like you, right? Am I covered on my vitamins and my, my, of course, like the magnesiums and the calciums, those kind of basics are where I go. Mm -hmm. Anti-inflammatory things. Um, I think about a lot. There's usually kind of category leaders, which I tend to, you know, check the science and, because I can, but of course, the, you know, category leaders um, are good. Like I like curcumin for anti-inflammatory, um, good science there. Um, but yeah, I do have an advantage and I'm not going to, I'm not going <laughs> to pretend like I don't, right. I do have an advantage in evaluating the science in terms of the company. We have a great supplement guide, by the way, that I will add into the show notes. <laughs> I'll add information for our supplement guide just to give people an overview of sort of where to start. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I actually go to a naturopathic doctor mm-hmm. who does help me as well, right? Mm-hmm. But of course, before I get suggestions, you know, based on me, um, you know, I'm going to look at the research. I'm going to look at, you right. know, the company that's making it as well. But when, so so let's just say someone says, someone says, okay, I want to take a curcumin and I want to take an omega-3 and I want to take something for brain health. Okay. But now let's just say they have the few that they think they want to take, whether it was recommended from a their dietitian or it was recommended from their doctor or they just did their own research when they actually go into the store or they go online to go and purchase what should someone be looking for on that supplement bottle yeah that's a great question so first of all i want to say that generally speaking when you're going into the big stores a lot of the brands in there are reliable they have to follow regulations you can pretty much trust you know your general brands and the targets the walmarts the cvs the vitamin shops the gncs all those companies require the these companies to you know meet all the regulations and also confirm that what they're saying on the labels in there is in there. So, okay, so I, this, is, yeah. this is required. Well, I wanted to stop you for one second there because I think this is a really important point to make. I think so many people think of the supplement industry as, oh yeah, they can just sell you whatever they want. Don't trust the supplement industry. I think there's a lot of that out there. And I mean, there's people that are diehard supplement fans. I'm a big supplement fan, but then there's people that are really skeptical of it. And I think even as a, as a dietitian, when I was in school, I mean, we were sort of taught, oh yeah, it's not regulated. They're not regulated like food and drugs. You, you can't, you know, you don't know what's in them. And it it was a really negative tone towards supplements where they can play an incredibly useful 
role. And they are tools, not only to help people prevent, but also to help people like what we were talking about before, live optimally. But I think that the, the, the thing that's so misunderstood here, one, I think, again, we got to get rid of sort of that negative, negative energy <laughs> towards yeah. supplements, because of course, there's some, there's some not great brands out there, but that's like in any industry. Yeah. But if you're using them in the right way, to supplement a healthy diet and you're using that you're using them for specific reasons in the right way and again of course it's individual for everybody they can be an incredibly useful tool but the thing that i think that people this is what you were what you what you mentioned that i want to make sure people really hear is that people often think no they're not regulated they're not regulated no they're not regulated the same exact way as food and drugs but they are regulated and supplement companies have to follow good manufacturing practices. They are not regulated for their specific efficacy, but they are regulated in terms of, you know, they can't just, can't just go and put anything in a bottle and sell it. That is not accurate. And I think many people feel that way or, or think that they don't necessarily know, but that's kind of what they've been told or that's what they understand. That's sort of the, the bad rap, right? So I think it's really important for people to understand that they are regulated, um, even at the at the most sort of, even at like as a first as a even without third party testing, without some of these other things that many brands do, there still is some regulation. And again, I think that's what some people don't understand. I'd love to then I want to hear more on that from you, and then I also yeah. want to hear about or I want you to explain to people too the other levels and layers that many, many of these supplement companies take to make sure that their products are doing what they're saying they're doing and, uh, and all that. Exactly. So yeah, there's some bad players, I think, and media always loves the bad things. So you right. get the big splash with the negative, but really they're, you know, they're the, the infomercial type of companies or the companies that are just, you know, there's no other products other than this one, you know, so you can kind of identify those by, and they come and go, right. They don't, they're not around a long time, but unfortunately media loves to pick up on the negative. So it has given the industry a bad rap with that. I would say, realize that just like, you know, with most OTCs, we are testing our products at a laboratory, a certified laboratory, ensuring that it has all the quality requirements in terms of the, the chemical structure, the quantity, everything is, I'm doing it as an ingredient manufacturer and then companies that are putting out a product on the shelf for you are doing it again. It's usually tested two to three times before it gets to the shelf. But there's a lot of companies that then go and pick them out and test it and do all their own testing and say, oh, it doesn't have it. But ultimately they don't know how to test it mm -hmm. usually. And that's the problem and the deception that happens. So um, there's a lot of layers of testing that go on. The FDA can walk into any manufacturing facility for any of these dietary supplements at any given time and audit. And they are actively auditing as we speak, actually, to ensure that they're following these regulations. They can pull products from the shelf, test it. They will do that during the audit as well. They will ensure that the products that they're putting out are not you know, misleading in terms of um, label claims and so on and so forth. Um, in terms of efficacy, you mentioned, I did want to touch on that. So you said like, you know, yeah, like an OTC is required to prove efficacy with the FDA. So a supplement is not required to prove efficacy mm -hmm. with the FDA. But we're allowed by the FDA to make structure function benefits. Like basic, how does it work? What's the benefit to the body in a mm -hmm. very like basic way? Can you give an example of that so people understand what you're talking about with that? 
Yeah. So uh, a structure function like supports brain health, very basic function. Right. So something um, that you'll see on the label just for someone yeah. that might understand. So something, exactly. right. Support, yeah, supports a function of the body. That's what the structure function claimed, right? But mm -hmm. we're not trying to prevent, cure, or treat any disease, mm -hmm. and we can't do that according to the FDA, right? So the FDA doesn't necessarily, uh, <clears throat> well, they do, they do regulate to a degree what we're saying and making sure it's, you know, uh, it's supported. But what actually is more of an issue is the litigation that happens. So none of these companies, most of the time, are going to say things about a product that's untrue from the scientific perspective because there's huge risk um, from customer suing or class action lawsuits. So there's right. a lot of lawyers that have a lot of time in their hands. So generally speaking, like I said, when you're going into a major brand store or major you know, uh, retail chain, the claims that are on there should have research to support it. And then the other great thing you can do is you can always Google, go to the back of the label. Mm -hmm. What's the product you're looking for? You can go on the company's website. And for example, I'm an ingredient, so I don't have a finished product, but I have a website for my ingredient mm -hmm. to share the science behind it. And that's really cool. And that's where the younger uh, generation actually like, like branded, fancier, more researched ingredients as well. Um, so, yeah. So, so there's a lot of layers to this that people are not aware of. <laughs> right. Well, that's, all. yeah. Well, that's why I was trying to say, even at the most basic level, there's some regulation happening. And then as you kind of go up the ladder there, there's more and more. And again, yeah. depending on the company and the third party testing and all of that, like there's, you know, it, it varies, but there is testing there. There's, uh, you know, there, there is regulation going on. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so for example, we make an ingredient and we make our ingredient in Japan. Our facility follows GMPs. We get audited by the FDA. We get checked. We then sell our product to somebody like, you know, uh, like a vitamin shop, right? Mm -hmm. And they even have their own label per se. They're then manufacturing. And that manufacturing site is also following another right. set of GMPs or regulations, and also is audited and registered with the FDA in order to put that product on the market. Yeah. So you've mentioned the branded products a couple of times and that the younger generation even likes those branded products. So can you just explain in a little bit more detail, like what exactly? Because I think many people that aren't necessarily in the supplement world or taking them regularly, they might not understand sort of what this whole branded ingredient conversation is. <laughs> Yeah. So sometimes in the, you know, ingredient space, we, we discover molecules that have more benefit. But and even take it, take it back a step. Sorry, yeah. if you don't mind, I just want for like the person that has no understanding here, what we're talking about here. So when you go and you pick up a bottle of something from, let's say omega-3s or some, or whatever from the, from the whole foods shelf and you look in there and then you see on the back, it might say X amount of DHA or EPA, which is the type of omega-3s, right. but they might just say that. It might not, or it might have a specific brand name, right? Yes. But usually it'll also say the ingredient. So for us, we'll say our brand name is Cognizant, but it also can say City Choline as well. And if it is a brand, it'll have a registered trademark. So right. you'll know it's kind of like the Kleenex to a tissue, right? Right. <laughs> Right. So that, that's what I know it we're is. getting very basic here, but just for supplements, I want people to fully understand it's what we're talking about. Though, because I, I, yeah. I'm a pharmacist. I had no idea this was happening before I came into the industry. So totally understand. And yeah. people don't even realize that there's companies like me that exist that create ingredients that then go into the products, right? Right. So that's a whole nother interesting layer. But it's important because these ingredient manufacturers, they're the ones that are investing in the science and 
um, the transparency and all the information that you can gather around deciding to take a supplement. So, you know, if you look at a brand, you know, and look at that registered trademark, oh, let me see what that's about. Really, they should have a quality website that shows you what is this ingredient? How does it work? Is there research? You know, and, you know, so you can do that research and I would encourage you to do that. Um, and that's the benefit of the brand. And that's why the younger generation that have that interest in supplements, they like the brand because it's more transparent. They can be on their app or, you know, in the store and be Googling our brand name and understand and learn right about it right on the spot and decide whether to buy it. Right, 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 right. And you started to say something before I interrupted you <laughs> with the getting specific about the bottle. Um, you were starting to say something about as a as an ingredient manufacturer that you look at the science. Were you, were you going to say something about the new science that you look at? Well, I can talk about that, but only a little bit. Yeah, we do want we do want to hear about the new science. I think that's what is the critical thing about a brand is the brands of the ingredients. My company invests a significant amount of research to support understanding how this ingredient works in your brain. In your brain, and I mean, we're literally researching at the genetic level. I want to take a moment to tell you about our podcast sponsor, which I'm a super fan of. In today's fast-paced go, go, go world, it's so easy to get overwhelmed and lose focus, especially when you're trying to accomplish critical tasks that require a sharp mind. If you're looking for a way to support your brain health and stay on top of your game, if you know me at all, you know I'm always looking to do that. Well, then you want to know about Cognizant Citicoline. This nutrient helps support brain function and it plays a vital role in nourishing and protecting brain cells. Cognizant Citicoline can help support focus, memory, and attention, promote cognitive performance, and support overall brain health. It's also known for its ability to support brain energy and is backed by numerous studies that show its effectiveness. Whether you're a student, a busy professional, a multitasking parent, or anyone looking to optimize mental clarity and sharpness, adding Cognizant Citicoline to your daily routine can help you achieve those goals and support your brain for the future. It can be found in many different products, including chewables, gummies, beverages, and even cold brew coffee. Visit Cognizant.com for exactly where to find this ingredient, and don't forget to look for Cognizant on the label. I mean, we're literally researching at the genetic level, and this is what you know drugs do, but people don't think supplements have that kind of research. Right. You Such know, and that's what's impressive is that there can be a lot of research behind some of these you know, really great brands and supplements. And even, you know, some that are not brands have really great research on them too, right? But the key is that the brands do usually invest a little bit more to make sure that they can, you know, um, be transparent, have that science. We we work with, you know, we publish our science and peer-reviewed journals. You know, we're really like, we are really doing it at a level that is almost drug-like. Right, right. And I think people will be really surprised to understand that. And I, and, and I didn't understand that for many years. Right. I, I really well, I didn't, didn't. Until I was in the industry. <laughs> yeah. I, I really didn't understand that level of that. And, and I was, I was never anti-supplements and I was always, you know, of course you want to do all the things in your lifestyle and you want to eat the healthy whole foods and you want to manage your stress and do all of these things, but you might need some, you know, supplementation for insurance. But I really look at it even a step further. Now I look at it, not just for 
insurance, but for sort of, again, living optimally for being your best. How can I maximize my health and my potential? Uh, but I didn't have that full understanding until, I mean, when we worked together, we worked together years ago on, yeah. on another, on another brand, uh, when we worked together and I learned a lot from you then too, but I do. I don't think many people understand like the level of research that is actually happening. And it's just so easy for so many people to just either say, oh, I'm overwhelmed. I, I can't dive in or, oh yeah, supplements can just, they, 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 they are just throw things on the shelf, which is not true at all. So I, I really, I'm glad you got into just sort of what you do at Kiowa um, as far as research goes. And the reality is as practitioners, right? whether I was a pharmacist, whether you have a, you know, a whole uh, community of dietitians, people are taking supplements, whether you recommend them or not. Yeah. Right. And that was what I learned was, you know, we weren't taught a lot about supplements, but we needed to learn them because the reality is people are taking them and, and, and it's only increasing. So you pretty much have no choice if you're a practitioner to understand and learn about supplements because your, your patients will be taking them and it's important to really educate yourself on it. Such a great point. So now that we talked about branded ingredients, let's talk about the branded ingredient that you work on, Cognizin. So Cognizin Citicoline, let's talk about what is Citicoline, what is Cognizin specifically, and why is it recommended for brain health? Yeah, that's a big question. I know. So, <laughs> and that's a big one for you. So you, you, you know, take it away, Danielle. <laughs> so Cognizant is the brand name. The, you know, generic name or the chemical name is Citicoline or CDP Choline. This is not a new ingredient. It's been around for a long time. We've been marketing it here for, we had our 20th anniversary actually this year. So it's an ingredient that's been around for a long time. So what is it? It is actually an endogenous substance in our body. So it actually means it already exists. It exists as an intermediate in the production of an important phospholipid. And phospholipids are basically the building blocks to our cell membrane, that outer layer of our cell membrane. So I always kind of compare it to like, you know, the brick wall, the brick and mortar, right? So we're like, phospholipids are like that mortar, what keeps that cell membrane together, right? And so the... Cell, the phospholipids really have an impact on the health of that cell membrane. They have to kind of constantly be like re, you know, they get a little bit old and, and rickety, right? So they kind of are, we always have phospholipid turnover happening, but it does slow and it mm -hmm. can be impacted. So citicoline, increasing citicoline actually has a lot of research to show we can increase phospholipids. So what we're doing is we're incorporating more phospholipids in that cell membrane to strengthen the structure and then make it also easier. So the health of the cell membrane is critical to the nutrients it can absorb and also neurotransmitters. That's how our neurons communicate mm -hmm. in our brain. So the healthier that cell membrane, the quicker those neurotransmitters can go through, right? So it's really contributing to the wellness of the structure and function of our neurons, um, but it has some other exciting mechanisms too, because it also enhances neurotransmitters as well. And it helps with mitochondrial health, which is a huge area. Um, we're still scratching the surface there. I think a lot of things are still scratching the surface on mitochondrial health. Um, but we do know that similar to how we help with the, the cell membrane, we actually also can help the mitochondria health. More outer layer, but there's been some research around it and we're still, we're still digging. <laughs> Mitochondrial health, hot topic in the wellness yeah. world. <laughs> I like your brick and mortar example there. I, I think that's, I think that's understandable for people 
Um, and it, it makes it makes sense for people, but <laughs> right, right. And we have to keep it, we got to keep it healthy there. And we have to keep our, our neurons talking to each other, our brain cells communicating. Right. And, exactly. and, and when they slow down and aren't communicating well, I mean, you can imagine what happens. So, exactly. <laughs> uh, and, and it also, I know, you know, when we think in terms of cognizant, we're thinking cognition, we're thinking communication of the neurons, like you just mentioned, but there's also focus attention and, also, there's that mental energy component, which do you want to talk about mental energy for a moment? Yeah. So I did talk about like, what is it doing? Right. So, but, but in the end, the benefits that we're seeing in healthy subjects, and I do like to say this before I get into it, is that, you know, supplements are supposed to help with healthy people. So unlike drugs, we can't study people with disease, right? We have to show a benefit in healthy subjects. And if you know anything about research, that is very challenging. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> show a benefit in an already healthy person is, is a challenge. So all our research in healthy subjects have shown the, the outcome of what I was telling you, how it works is that we can help with focus and attention, which is related to that neurotransmitter. We have benefits in supporting memory, which is, I think, around that structure function that I was talking mm -hmm. about with the cell membrane. And then, of course, that mitochondria health has related to showing increases in ATP levels in the brain. So we do have science that shows we increase ATP levels. And then the area of the brain that this, this ingredient tends to have the most change of impact, which we, we saw on imaging data from healthy subjects, is the frontal lobe called the anterior cingulate cortex, which is responsible for concentration, focus. It's, you know, that you know, executive mm -hmm. function, front, yeah. frontal lobe area. So, so we know where it's working. We know kind of the mechanisms of how it's working and we know the ultimate benefit to the healthy consumer when we take it. Who do you recommend Cognizant for? Like, who do you think is the right type of person to take Cognizant? I mean, the science that we're seeing is that the earlier, the better. I think that um, we have, you know, we do have good results in older people with memory, but I, I personally feel like you know, when you see some of our, when even sometimes when I see our research, I feel like everybody in their late twenties should start taking it because we really see that we can impact some of the pathophysiologies that we talked about. But of course, we can't talk about that stuff in the healthy people. But I do think optimally, you know, later twenties, early thirties, um, you know, if you're looking for long-term brain health, but you know there's a lot of consumers looking for that nootropic type of effect right? and we can kind of deliver on that like nootropic benefit. But what I like about this ingredient compared to other nootropics is we're not just like expending from the brain or just spending the energy. You know, we are, it's kind of like you get the benefit of a nootropic, but you're also like a 401k for the brain. You're kind of giving it a little nutrient for later for down the road too. So it's not Love just that. like using, but it's also giving back. <laughs> So generous, that cognizant. <laughs> Citicoline, you're so generous. <laughs> All right. So any uh, any studies in the pipeline on cognizant specifically or in the area of brain health that you want to share? Always. Well, we already have, you know, quite a bit of science behind the focus and attention. Um, we have we have looked at even like studies have shown over nine months showing long-term health brain benefits. So we have a good amount of literature that already exists to really support the things that I was talking about. Um, but we always are working on new science and that's part of my job and that's fun and exciting. So we are currently looking to publish a new study um, talking a little bit about the genetics. I can't t say too much, but it okay. should come out in early February. Oh, I'm so excited. 
really excited. It's it's so cool. We're going to be probably presenting it at some of the academic conferences if we can get it out in time and get our abstract submitted. Um, so we oh, are that's looking- so exciting. You're so teasing us here. You're teasing yeah. us here. <laughs> yeah. So we will hopefully be submitting. I don't want to I don't want to jinx myself and talk too much or say too much because you never know. Research always takes way longer to get that final report than we want. But um, we are looking to share with the world what we know about the genes that Cognizant can impact um, in the brain. And it's exciting. And it's going to be, I think, really impactful. Wow. So then yeah. everyone's going to want to go and get that genetic test. Yeah. Like when you see the science, I mean, this is what the takeaway is for the people that I've showed it to is like, Oh, oh wow! Like I need to, I need to make sure I'm taking this. Like, right, right. It's really, it's really impressive. And then, um, you know, we are also working on new research. We haven't started a new study, but we are about to start another new study. Just looking at, you know, health benefits, motor function, uh, attention and focus, continuing to build on the science that we already have um, to further, you know, just it's really important to have good science in the supplement industry and ensure that the things you're saying about your ingredient, they have scientific evidence where if you got a bunch of scientists in the room, my goal is that no scientist would dispute the level of scientific evidence that I have on each of the benefits. Smart. Yeah. Smart. Thank you so much for being on today. I love talking with you. Always learn from you. Always love, love hearing your science mind at work. Last question for you. How do you live your most nutritious life as far as what's that one thing that you do every day to set in motion your nutritious life? I I, I, I could use some work, but one thing that I'm pretty obsessed with is my sleep. Ooh, I, I love that. I my sleep all the time. I know you have the aura ring and I was jealous, but I use my <laughs> Apple Watch. I know. And okay. I almost asked for it for Christmas, but I have the Apple Watch. I've been pretty happy with that app, okay. but I'm pretty much obsessed every morning I wake up and I'm looking at my sleep. It's amazing. And I'm trying to sleep train myself because I do know I, I can be, I, I want to really aim for above seven and I have, I'm a, I'm working on it. So I'm really working on my sleep habits and I'm really trying to train my brain and my body to really get to between seven and eight. Did you see that Dakota Johnson quote recently that was everywhere that said Mm -hmm. that she, what did she say? She sleeps something if she doesn't sleep 10 hours, like she basically has to get 10 hours of sleep a night and that sleep is her number one priority in life. And so, I don't know, I thought you could relate to that maybe. (laughs) I could use some work in other areas, but this is something that is truly, I think, I know that impacts me a lot in terms of my ability to function and make good food choices and make exercise choices. And and, and some people are impacted by it more, but it it truly, it truly impacts my day. (laughs) Well, I love that you are aware that that impacts your day. And so you prioritize that. And again, when that one thing is done well, then all the other things are set in motion. That's why I asked that question because nutritious life, all of the pillars work together and they play off of one another, but you need to kind of get it set in motion and then they, they build off of each other. And then they all work together again, behaviorally and physiologically, but you need that one thing to sort of set them in motion. So I love that. Amazing. Thank you so much. Information all about Danielle in the show notes, where you can find her, where you can find more information on Cognizant in the show notes. So go check that out. And thanks so much again, Danielle. 
for having me. I had so much fun. <laughs>